This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to another episode of the No Ceilings Podcast. I am Tyler Metcalf, joined as always by Tyler Rucker. Rucker, how's it going? Metcalf, I'm doing good. Um, you know, we're recording a couple of these because someone's getting married this weekend like a selfish individual. No, I'm kidding. But congratulations to the one and only mad scientist, Mr. Tyler Metcalf. So, um, guys getting married. Unreal. How are we doing? How are we feeling? Are you getting a little nervous? Are you excited? No. Or I, I, I'm ready to just get to the fun part and start dancing and drinking and just be done with all of the. I'm not going to say nonsense, but uh, not the 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 nonsense that leads up to that. Um, and that just so everyone's clear, that feeling is mutual between me and my soon to be <laughs> wife. So <laughs> I'm not. Um, but yeah, I mean, as people are listening to this, I am relaxing and drinking all day on a beach. So I'm fantastic. <laughs> the best part about all this for everyone listening, and then we'll get into the degenerate, you know, draft talk. You know, that's why you're here. Exactly. But Metcalf's uh, getting married. I'm getting married in February. So I feel like I'm getting like a sneak peek of the frustration or just like all of the issues. Like, I feel like I even texted you something. I was like, was this really annoying? And you're like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was very, it was the absolute worst. So it's just funny because I'm like, all right, you're giving me a sneak peek of, you know, what to be prepared for. But um, no, I'm pumped for you. I'm pumped for, I feel like a lot of the guys on the No Ceilings crew are tying the knot. And it's just, you know. Love is in the air. Draft prospects are in the air. It, it all feels right. Somehow they're connected. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll let the listeners make their own segue there. Uh, <laughs> but we, we are here to uh, continue these preseason breakdowns. And it's with two guys who I was really, you know, I'm not even going to say Luke Warman. I was cold coming into the film review and... I came away thoroughly impressed with Nick Smith and Dylan Mitchell. Um, so we're going to start out with Nick Smith, who's 6'5", 185-pound point guard going to Arkansas. Um, Rucker, I believe you are very high or at least very excited about Smith. Um, so if I'm wrong, correct me. But what what kind of jumped off the screen for him? You know, well, actually um... – at first, I was like not in. I was like, eh, I don't, because there, there's a lot of consensus that everyone was saying, like, okay, this is the third or fourth guy after Scoot and actor Vic, Victor Wimanyama. And I was kind of like, I don't know if I'm buying that yet. And that's also why we love to do film dives this early in the year, because it's like, okay, let me see if I'm, my first initial reaction is correct or not. Um, and I just, kept watching i was like i get it i'm intrigued i'm a little bit because I, I think it was the 
think it was the McDonald's All American game, and you know, people were buzzing about him. People were buzzing about Whitehead, and I thought Whitehead popped to me. And I thought Nick Smith. I was kind of like, eh, I don't know. And then um, I went back watched some games. I watched the Hoop Summit, and he made a he made a driving kick, and it was like it it was so effortless, and it was just like a gorgeous dime to the corner that was just really like whoa you know just some of those plays where you're like that doesn't look like a guy that's going in the second round like that doesn't look like a guy that's going in the 20s it just looked like a guy that was playing at another speed um compared to everybody on the court which is saying something when it comes to that you know that hoop summit game and um just kept watching and i was like all right i kind of get it like there's some smoothness with his game i like the feel i like the kind of feel like he might be the the offensive point guard that could put up some numbers this year. And Arkansas is going to have a heck of a squad. We all know that right by now. Um, so, yeah, I'm in. Now i got to figure out how high I am going into the preseason on him because uh, I'm still going to have some hesitations. Um, but there's a really good basketball player there. I just don't have a firm – grasp of like what range i'm thinking like i want to say like five to eight but i also might be a little bit too low on him what about you yeah and so i i bumped him all the way up to like six right now and from where i had him that's that's a pretty big leap and you know my coming into this my only exposure to him really was the all-american the mcdonald's all-american game and Longtime listeners will remember that episode uh, back in the spring that we did with Maxwell. And both you and I kind of came away like, really? Like, this is the guy that everyone's, like, getting up in arms about? It's like, he kind of looks small out there. Like, he's not doing much. And then I dove into, like, all, you know, his high school film and all of that kind of stuff. And it's like, oh, okay. I I kind of get it. And I, his, I think he's going to have a really impressive wingspan. His arms looked really long. Um I thought his first step was really impressive and that he got to the rim pretty much whenever he wanted to. The finishing was a little inconsistent once he got there, but once he got past his defender, which he did on a pretty regular basis, his ability to change pace, change directions, uh, get basically whatever shot he wanted, but then also distribute the ball to literally anyone on the floor. I was like, oh, wow, this is really impressive. And some of the driving kicks that he made were incredibly impressive because his back would be to the guy and he would just immediately turn over his shoulder and whip a one-handed pass right into their shooting pocket. It's like, oh, okay, so you, even though you couldn't see him, you knew that he was there the entire time. Um, and then once he got in the paint, I really liked how he kind of disguised a lot of his lobs as floaters and it, it just kind of froze defenders for a second and just made it that much easier for the guy going up for it because it's like, Oh shit, can't block that. That's a float. Oh no. Okay. He's just dunking that home now. So I thought his overall creation ability for himself and, uh, getting into the interior and then for others was incredibly impressive. So can, can I go a little bit off, off Always. the, okay. Um, like a little philosophy, a little, little, you know, go back and forth about this because this is actually what I love doing most with you. So I don't know how you are, but we, we've talked before about how we feel about evaluating bigs, but I also feel like I get really tuned in and kind of strict and focused even more on point guards 
because I feel like there's some areas you really got to find that could differentiate like an elite point guard prospect, a a great one, like a good one. And then a, a guy that you're just hoping maybe turns into a change of pace guy. But is there something that you look for when you're evaluating a point guard that's like maybe bugs you or something that like gets like, if you see it right away, you're like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm more excited now watching him. Like for me, I, the change of pace, I always bring up. If you can yeah. change your pace, you can play with different speeds. I absolutely love that. But I feel like if you have that and the first step, mm-hmm. that gets me really amped in a hurry. And then everything else, I get, you know, it falls apart. But I feel like those areas, I get really pumped. Like if you have that first step, but you also understand how to use it and play with your speeds and um, change, you know, your gears to create a window of separation that really makes me pumped up. So I was just, I'm just picking the mind of Metcalf, you know? Yeah. And we talk about change of pace all the time and guys ability to play at different speeds and how crucial that is. Because if you play at one speed, whether it's extremely fast or extremely slow, you're easy to guard. And um, so, yeah, like when we talk about actual point guards or primary ball handlers that that's a big one because that dictates so much of what they can do in terms of um, on ball creation. And I I came away really impressed with Smith's ability to do that. Like you said, the first step was like, Oh, okay. Andy's gone. But then also once he got in the lane, he's, you know, slamming on on the brakes, you know, planting his left foot, you're stepping to his right and then finishing with a reverse layup. It's like, oh, okay. So you, you do have this understanding of, okay, quick burst here, decelerate to let the big fly by and finish on the other side where they can't get to it. Okay. Awesome. Super impressive. And that, that, that's a, that's a place where I usually kind of start because it's, if now in the NBA, if you're going to be a point guard, you have to be able to get your own shot in some form or fashion. And I think he'll be able to do that, you know, to what level, I guess we'll find out, but I think he can do that. The other part is what is your kind of decision-making in the mid range? Cause with these guys who already have the understanding of change of pace, change of direction, good ball handling, that kind of stuff, they're going to get into the paint all the time. What do they do once they get there? Are they adept with floaters or, you know, pull up mid-range jumpers or finding kickouts or dumping it off to someone in the dunker spot. Are they doing that consistently? And if they're not, we, you know, we kind of talked about this with Amari Bailey last episode and Amari was kind of hit or miss with that. I thought Nick Smith was really consistent with making the right decision, whether it's a pass, whether it's a flashy pass, a simple pass, or just a floater or layup um, or ability to kind of get to a shot. Now the shot or layup didn't always go in, but I never came away from his decision. Like, like, what was that dude? You know, or anything like that. It was all 90% of the time is like, that was the right play. Yeah. I, um, I think it's really important, you know, when we always talk about, guys understanding how to play with change of gears or de-accelerate that doesn't just mean transition um if you can do that i i think there's the transition ability to change gears and play with different speeds if you can play with your change of gears in the mid-range and getting through traffic and driving the lane and creating angles along the baseline and getting guys to bite like that's where you really can make some damage um 
Damian Lillard's outstanding with that when it comes to mid-range. Like he makes guys react and then just picks them apart with a jumper or or staying patient. And you saw I, I saw that a couple times with Nick Smith, and that's where I really started to get like, okay, I understand now why everyone's buzzing about him is is he would drive the lane, um, show some wiggles, show some shiftiness, make everyone react to him, then like kind of bring the ball out into the corner of like, okay, that first attack didn't work and bring the ball out in the corner. And then all of a sudden realize everyone was sleeping and you just turn around, hit a nice little 15 foot jumper. Like it, it was just understanding and being patient of like, okay, I'm going to make you guys react. And then once they react to be like, okay, there's my window. That's mature. That's what I really like to see. He has the creativity, like you're saying Metcalf to make some eye opening flashy passes. But he also, I love when guys just make the simple pass. Yeah. And I'm not trying to sound boring, but sometimes the simple pass is great. It's why I love Tyrese Halliburton is, you know, he didn't need to throw a one-handed no-look, like, bounce pass from midcourt for a guy going for a layup. But sometimes it was just the understanding of the moment I'm catching this ball, it's going right there. And just making a quick bullet chest pass. Like, th- that stuff gets me really excited. And um, he was one of those guys, the more I watched, the more I was like, man, Arkansas is going to be fun. <laughs> like, I already knew they were going to be fun with, you know um, – Jordan Walsh, Anthony Black, like guys like that. But now it's just Smith really does look like he's going to have the tools to to make some serious noise this year. And I don't think it's – I don't know, Metcalf, if it's like he's going to be a guy that has 20 every game. I think he's going to have some games where he impresses, where he has 11 points and nine assists. And I'm going to be like, man, that was one of his best games. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. And, and when you talk about just making that simple pass, um, for me that's a sign of – just really slowing the game down mentally that he is in full control of the pace and dictating the terms of the game. And, you know, there, yes, he's capable of the flashy, you know, live dribble wet pass. And those are fun. Those are make, those make the highlight reels, but they're not always necessary. And just because it's there doesn't mean you have to do it. And sometimes just like you said, that simple pass is the right decision. And I found him making the right decision more often than not. Um, with the scoring, I'm a little more hesitant on that because the, I thought the finishing he made the at rim finishing, he made a lot of really tough shots. There was a lot of really impressive stuff. Um, there's also a lot of inconsistency and then I barely ever saw him shoot from the outside. So I don't really know what to think of his shot. The fact that he was pretty unwilling to shoot from outside concerns me a little bit, but the couple jumpers I saw, I didn't think there was anything like mechanically worrisome about his uh, form, but I don't know when when guys hesitate that much from the outside or don't even look for it. It makes me question some things. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the, the one area that it, it could derail him is I, I feel like he's going to be comfortable of being the facilitator and the, and, you know, kind of like the floor general. And sometimes when you get those guys, it's like, yeah, they're damn good basketball players, but sometimes you also need them to flip a switch and be like, okay, it's time for me to take over. Yeah. And um, from what I've seen, he doesn't have anything like, I think the shot's going to be fine. It's not like, you know, we talked about the Thompson twins for the overtime elite or, um, you know, like Jairus Walker, guys like that, where we're like, okay, they really need to show that they can hit the outside shot. I don't think it's going to be like that, but 
if it can take a stride forward and all of a sudden becomes something that's, you know, part of not being a complete weakness, then I think that's a big, big, big development. Um, but I think the rest of the tools are going to make him an outstanding point guard prospect, but it's going to be the mentality. Like he's going to have a heck of a team. Arkansas is going to be loaded. They're going to be buzzing all year. People are going to be drooling over that team. They have a lot of guys, more guys than I listed before, but he's going to have to have some games where, you know, even if he's a freshman, you want to see with point guards, like, Hey, your team's struggling. No one can get a shot to go. It's time for you to take over. Like you've got to get the offense rolling. You got to, you know, your team shooting 30% from the field. They need someone to get some buckets and you've got to have that switch to be like, okay, it's my time to score. It's not my time to just keep, uh, you know, putting everyone in the right position. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but you just need to know, have that mentality of when to switch. Um, you know, I, I don't mean to bring him up again, but Dame Lillard, what I love about him is when Dame gets hot, no one in the world stopping Dame. Like he yeah. is like, you know, I just hit two from the parking lot. I'm going to be shooting the next couple times. Yeah, I don't care if there's trying to double team me. And we've seen him take over games and almost win them by himself. But Dame also knows when to get his team. And if his teammates are rolling, feed him. Um, and, and that's where I think you can really grow and make yourself a, an elite point guard prospect is if you understand not just like the passing lanes and how to exploit the defense, but also if you understand the flow of the game and you can adjust to what the situation requires. Yeah. I, I think that'll be really fascinating because I'm not sure I necessarily saw that from him. Um, I, I do think he's one of these point guards that makes everyone else on the floor better where he elevates everyone else's game, but to be, you know, this franchise point guard, to be this, you know, franchise cornerstone, you have to be able to take over games. And I'm not sure he's there yet. And, you know, the the scores of a lot of high school games are have uh, pretty wide margins. So he wasn't necessarily asked to do that. So he's going to have to show that he can get points other than just at the rim. Because once he starts going against actual rim protectors, guys who are, you know, college size who are going to play in the NBA, he's going to have to be able to do more than just acrobatic layups. And whether that's just a consistent floater, uh, just a consistent 15 foot pull up um, and just a willingness to shoot from outside when the ball swings to him. I, I think just those more of that, even if it's just volume, even if it doesn't work all the time, just the willingness to do that, those different things, I think is going to be important. Yeah, I mean, so I'm I'm looking. I think he's listed around six three, six four. I think he's closer to six three. Um, Arkansas's I mean, website has him at six five. Okay, well there you go. I I love when they round up when the schools round up. I'm like I'm so proud of you guys for sticking six, for your guys. Four and a tenth of an inch. Hi, six, five. <laughs> um, he's gonna he's just gonna have to show some stuff because you, you see all the tools. Um, I like his mentality on the court. He looks like he's going to be a great guy to give the ball to and be like, all right, take over, um, get everyone positioned. Like he just looks like he's a gamer. I think he's got the potential to be a three level scorer, um, but it's just that outside shot needs to be consistent and shown. And um, he looks tough. 
but I'm I'm with you. Like if you're talking about like his finishing, we you just you could be a tough finisher in high school. It's gonna be another world in college because you know guys are gonna be a lot tougher, a lot bigger. There's gonna be uh, some juniors coming at you that have been in the weight room for two years compared to you know the six four one eighty five Nick Smith. Um, and that's nothing bad. It's just adjusting to the speed of the game. And I think he's going to be able to do that pretty quickly from what I've seen. Like he plays composed, he plays under control. Um, and it's just funny cause it was really one of these guys in the beginning that I was like, I do not see it. And, uh, that's also why we always say, do not watch just one game. Do not, you know, don't get too high. Don't get too low. And you keep watching film on him and you're like, see it and it's really fun like i get yeah. it I, I get it now so um yeah I, I mean very excited to watch arkansas i get it you know. yeah do you have any concerns with the defense um i feel like the efforts there yeah. um i feel like the effort and energy are there i think he's gonna be fine um he does look long he looks like he's gonna have a good wingspan I think he's gonna be fine, Metcalf. I mean, what did yeah. you have any glaring things? He's going no. to the right place. Muscleman's a madman. He's got he's got the resume to, you know, he worked in the league for a while, and they're gonna have some some vicious guys flying all over the place. I think he's gonna be good. What about you? Yeah, so like from what I saw, he was never really asked to do too much. Where his defensive responsibilities seem pretty simple is like, hey, when your guy doesn't have the ball, just deny it. And he did fine at that. Uh, he didn't really make any rotations or anything. And it's like, okay, is that just because you're being told not to or because you're just clueless? Um, but it was never like, oh, God, he should have sunk in on that and just completely missed that rotation. It's like, oh, no, he's just denying the ball on this guy. Um, I thought his feet were solid good enough i think the length will cover a lot of warts um but you know sometimes guys would turn the corner on him and he would kind of give up after like the fourth or fifth dribble if they were going laterally um and then they'd be able to turn on him but generally his feet i thought were sound i don't know i i I think he'll be fine i don't think it's going to be at the top of anyone's strengths for him but i'm not sure it's going to be headlining the weaknesses either yeah, I, I uh, I'm a sucker for those guys that have the tough mentality. Looks like he's got it. It looks like he's just a gamer. And and um, I think I watched uh, an interview of his at the Nike Hoop Summit, and I think it was with Gavoni. And um, I'm like 95 percent sure. So I'm sorry if I am quoting the wrong guy. If I am, I'll call myself out on the next episode. But I think it was like his first year getting invited to a USA basketball event. And you could just see in his eyes, he was just like, this is a big thing for me. This is a big deal. Like I'm motivated to be here and in this conversation with all this talent every year. Like I want to prove myself. I'm, I've been working my butt off and, and I like those guys cause it shows a mature approach of being like, I put in the time. It's, it's nice that I'm getting here and, and finally with all these guys and then I'm getting the recognition. I want to stay here. I think that's the right mentality with point guards. Um, you know, that that's it's one of the reasons why I always like the little bit of the underdog mentality with, you know, the point guards that are outstanding, but they, you know, they didn't get recruited until later. So they had to keep working their butt off. You know, the job Morants, they go to Murray State, you know, Lillard, 
um, Weber State, CJ McCollum, even at Lehigh. It's just, I know he's going to Arkansas, but still, like, it was getting the recognition late. So you have to have that extra mentality of kind of being like, an, everyone's against me. And, and I think you see the way he plays the game. He's tough. He's going to figure it out, but he also does a great job of putting his teammates in position to, to thrive. Yeah, absolutely. So I just want to do a little quick, I'm going to make you start choosing prospects here. So um, I'm going to to start towards the bottom and then move my way up. So Nick Smith or Mike Miles? You son of a gun. Um, Higher on my board or who do I like right now? (laughs) (laughs) Higher on your board. Nick Smith. Nick Smith or Tyrese Hunter? Nick Smith. Smith or Amari Bailey? Nick Smith. Smith or Marcus Sasser? Oh, you jerk. <laughs> um, if I needed to go to war, if I needed one game to go to war, I would be picking Marcus Sasser and Mike Miles, but Nick Smith is going to be higher on my board than probably Sasser, and I love Sasser. So. All right. Nick Smith or Asari Thompson? Nick Smith. Okay. Uh, Turquavion Smith. What about? (laughs) No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, Nick. Okay. Uh, Nick or Amen Thompson? Gosh, I'm trying to pull up my last fake big board that we did for the meeting to see where I had. Oh, okay. I'll go Nick. I'm trying to see where I had my quick. I made like a big board rankings for everyone listening. We thought we had to make it top 30 and then realized that we were all misinformed. So um, basically I made a top 30 for no reason, <laughs> but um, okay, go ahead. Metcalf. Okay. L- last one, Nick Smith or Keontae George. Oh boy. It hurts me to say this, but Nick Smith. Okay. I, I'm, I was shocked out of my mind watching his film of like how quickly I was like, Whoa. All right. <laughs> I was like, okay. All right. I, I see it. I just, and, and this opinion could change completely the second month of the season, but yep. um, there's a lot of good stuff for a point guard um, with his size. Like if he was six, one, I'd be like, yeah. but six, four, six, five with that movement and type of, shiftiness and some stuff he can do on the court. I think there's just a really good, really good foundation for a point guard prospect. That's not just a good one, a really damn good one, a potential scary one. What about you? Uh, yeah, I, I, I have Nick Smith. I, I have them back to back at six and seven right now. So it's close. I, I think they're different players, but uh, like you said, the, the, the size, the speed, the, pace control, the passing vision. I think it's all really impressive um, for Nick Smith and gives him just a little bit higher of a ceiling. Again, this could change in a month, but as of now. Are you, would you be surprised if he ends up a top four pick? Yes, it's September. We're asking very absurd questions, but that's why people listen to us, Metcalf. Yes, you driving in your car or listening around the house right now. We love you, um, but that's why people listen to us is because we're asking absurd questions in September. Do I would you be shocked. remember? I, wow. I'd, okay, so I'd be shocked just because you have 
other guys you think are going to be up there? I mean, Scoot, Victor, Derek, Jairus, uh, Whitmore. I, I think there's a pretty big gap between those five and Nick Smith for me. Um, it, now, if he comes out shooting and like really willing to shoot, um, that could change some things for me. But when you have a lead ball handler and a point guard who, you know, currently has no interest in shooting, it's kind of tough because every starting point guard in the league right now shoots from outside off the dribble in some form or fashion. And he never even looks for it. So I think he's going to be able to shoot. I, so do I, but I need to see it. I, I think here's the thing you got to remember. If people, if teams think he's an elite prospect for a point guard, they're going to go get, they're going to draft him early. Sure. Cause it's like, it's, um, it's like drafting a quarterback in the NFL. If you find, if you think a point guard is going to be a, a damn good, like potential in two years, you're going to be like, Hey, we have a franchise point guard. Like it wouldn't shock me if they took him, someone took him like fourth or something. If he could, if he proves he can shoot, like you're saying, if he yeah. proves that he's got the, the three level scoring ability. Um, yeah. And if he comes out and shoots it 35% on good volume, let's just say hundred to 150 attempts, and, you know, it's off the catch, off the bounce, like a little bit of variety. I'm not talking about tough movement threes or big step backs or anything like that, but the occasional pick and roll pull up or something. Um, then they'd be like, okay, yeah, I, I can understand the case for top four, or top five, especially if some of these other guys don't show some of the improvements we've talked about, hoping to see. Um, but as of now, what I've seen from these guys, uh, I, I just think the the combination of size and skill and versatility of those, those other five names are in a tier of their own. A hundred percent agree with you. Um, I mean, we and you and the no ceilings crew, we've even talked about like Jairus Walker. We don't understand how people have him so low. Cause we're like, yeah, the I, versatility I is cuckoo. I um, he's easily four for me right now and tempted to be three. I think I have him five. Damn, yeah, man. for everyone telling me I'm crazy. I have Victor Scoot, Whitmore, Nick Smith, Jairus Walker. Come talk wow. to me, folks. Yeah. Why do you hate you hate Jairus Walker that much? No, I don't. I just wow. uh I'm I'm nervous to put him way higher than I just had. <laughs> I'm, Coward. I'm really I'm really close to doing it. I also had my boy from Mega, Nicola. I had him at 16, and all you guys at those ceilings told me I was crazy. No, we didn't. We just haven't watched him yet. Yeah, I mean, you'll, you know, get on board, folks. Um, yeah, but I mean, I, I understand what you're saying. I, I think he's you got to. This is with all these guys. This is why we always joke about the preseason stuff, is because everyone's going to take this to heart. And it's like, guys, this is. If we went and did this last year, we'd be saying the same shit about like Peyton Watson. Be like, hey, he's got to show that he can sh- hit an outside shot. He's got to show that he can. Um, be a versatile asset. He's got to show this, blah, blah, blah. He didn't show it. He barely got on the court. Still went in the first round. (laughs) But I'm saying, like, he was a potential preseason top seven, top ten pick. Didn't work out. He ends up going right at the end of the first round. And um, Smith has the tools. He's going to get the opportunity. He's going to have the squad. He's just got to show that – you know, he can finish at multiple levels. Cause I feel like when you're a point guard and you have all those tools, it's like, show us, you can 
finish around the rim, show us you can do that stuff, and then show us you can hit outside shots and take smart decisions, take care of the ball, you're going to heat up in a hurry. People are going to fall in love with you. Because I, I do think the one thing with him is I've been impressed listening to him in interviews because um, I went down a rabbit hole. And I think he's got the mentality too. I think he's going to be a good intangibles kid. Well, so, someone else who needs to prove that they can shoot is Dylan Mitchell. Um, Here we go. The 6'8", 205-pound uh, forward from Montverde Academy going to Texas. We said Montverde correct, whoever called us out. We said it correct. Yes. Also, for everyone listening, we love when you do that because me and Metcalf, I feel like, text each other and we're like, gosh, this sucks, but it's awesome when people call us out. Um. So I, I think you're a little cooler on Mitchell than I am. So what are your hesitations? I'm completely uncomfortable. My name's Tyler Rucker. I'm very uncomfortable about Dylan Mitchell. And some of you know ceilings guys are just like in love. And I'm like, I do not see it. Here's here's my honest opinion. And if I'm just cuckoo, I'll literally get off this podcast right after and watch an hour of film if I have to. It seems like a really good... I can't believe I'm going to say this. He seems like a damn damn good defensive prospect with the ability to dunk everything in the world. What else? Cause like, no, I'm, I know those yeah. are, that's like, I'm, I'm just saying like, yeah, he looks like he could be an unreal defender and he dunks everything in the world. He has pogo sticks for legs, but then I get to the point where like, I feel like some people are talking about him as a top 10 pick and I'm like, what else is he going to do? Like, what else am I getting? Where's the other thing? Because I, I don't know if I buy the shot. Um, like, I get he makes an impact around the basket, but, like, I joked with you guys, and, you know, people probably call me out for this, but I was like, is this an athletic Marvin Bagley that can just junk out, like, jump out of the gym? I was like, and that's not an insult to Bagley, but I was like, this is the same scouting port we were kind of getting where it was like the – Makes a does a lot of damage around the basket, can really impact it in the paint. Now he can't, Bagley can't jump like this. But Mitchell dunks sometimes. I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, I get it. He dunks everything in the world. He tries to slam the ball into another dimension. I get it. There looks like there's some really damn good special tools. I just don't know if I'm buying, like, this is a top seven, top 10 pick. But I got him at like 15. Hell yeah. Like, I'd be like, okay, it's a damn good asset we just got. But what am I missing, Metcalf? Because yeah, I'm not trying to be arrogant. I'm just trying yeah. to be like, is this a, is there other skills that I'm missing? And I'm not trying to sound bad because he looks like he could be a very fun defensive weapon. Like, he looks like the Vanderbilt vibes of just being like, I'm going to get out there and cause chaos. And I love those guys. I'm just saying, am I taking this guy? Are people drafting him too early? Um, so I want to start out with the defense. And okay. in my notes, I really, I basically don't have any uh, cons on the pro-con list. And Wow. Okay. And obviously, I don't think he's going to be able to keep up with some of the quicker point guards and stuff like that because – for six, eight guys to do that, it's really, really fucking hard to do. And only like the truly, truly special ones can. So that 
you know, that, that would probably be the one weakness, but I really like his footwork. I think he can defend up. I think he can defend wings. I think he's a really good on ball defender. He's strong. Um, he's really judicious about jumping passing lanes where when he gambles, it's really measured and has a really high success rate. Um, I thought his weak side rotations were solid, really explosive shot blocker on his rotations. Um, just a smart, solid, versatile defender on offense. That's where the questions kind of come in. Uh, that same explosiveness that we see on defense is there at the rim, absurd vertical athlete. Um, the shot, I, I don't know. I can't even form an opinion on it. Cause in like the 10 games I watched, he took two of them, uh, or two threes, you know, one went in, it was awesome. Another didn't. Okay. So my concern with the shot is, did you not shoot because you were unwilling and didn't have the confidence and just avoided that realm entirely? Or was it because you were basically put into a power forward role and your coaching staff wanted you roaming that baseline and the dunker spot and screening and rolling and mucking it up on the inside? Because I I thought he was a really good offensive rebounder. I loved his off-ball movement, um, his cutting, his kind of just repositioning from the dunker spot to the lane. Um, His tip dunks were all really impressive. And then even in transition, he ran in transition really well. Um, and I think he's a smart passer. There were a couple hit aheads that he made with his left hand. He is a lefty. So, um, he is a little left hand dominant. I don't think he's not a good ball handler. He's not a good space creator. Um, but his passing with his left hand or both hands, um, I thought was smart is accurate. It wasn't flashy. It wasn't going to, you know, drop draws, but it kept the ball moving. Um, and he just felt like one of these players who's just going to kind of elevate the overall performance of the rotation. I don't think he's going to have superstar potential, um, but I think he's going to be a really good player. Is he going to be a three or a four? I'm acting. Here's yeah. what, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to act like a. am going to act dumb. Shouldn't be hard. I'm gonna, for everyone that hasn't watched him, I'm just going to ask the questions right now of like, what what should, what should they be thinking? So like, just treat it as if like, okay, you're selling me on him. So like, is he going to be a, a three or a four because of the, we don't know about the shot. Like is his, is he potentially the, you're playing him at the four because he can play inside and cause some, do some good things around the basket with keeping possessions alive or defensive rebounding. And then he also can just switch onto everyone. Or are you thinking he can still play the three because of his, you know, versatility, but he's just got to get the shot. I, I would probably start him at the four or begin his career at the four and slowly develop that shot and build okay. that confidence with the hopes of kind of moving him back to the three. Um, kind of a similar thing that the Timberwolves have done with Jaden McDaniels, where yes. he played a lot of power forward. He probably, you know, he wasn't necessarily big enough. Uh, Dylan Mitchell's a little more physically imposing than Jaden McDaniels um, from a strength standpoint. Um, so I think that will, you know, that's kind of a big differentiator, but they've always wanted McDaniels to play that three and now he will full-time um, with the obvious option of scaling up when they go small. But 
early in his career, I would want him at the four and then just give him that ability and versatility to switch on defense and still be that weak side rim protector and shot blocker and make those rotations that he showed while mucking it up inside with offensive rebounds and, and the dunker spot and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And people, people are going to think I'm like hating on him and it's not that at all. It's just, um, like these are, this is the type of player I drool over. Cause I'm like, every team needs this guy, mm-hmm. but I always feel like the teams don't have the, the balls to take him early. So I'm like, where, where are we thinking his range is going to be? Because this is the, uh, you're missing the energetic, you know, the energizer bunny that just wants to play defense as hard as possible and looks like he has all the tools to be a high level defender that maybe you have guys that you have plenty of offense, but you need, I know I'm not throwing this name out saying he's going to be it, but the idea of what Dennis Robin was when he was at his best was just this guy. That's like, I'm hitting the boards. I'm playing great defense. I can guard anyone. I got this athleticism and this energy. I know where to make the right reads and move the ball. Boom. That's it. And it'll be fascinating if that's, if that's what he is, do teams see that and view it more as a higher commodity now, like a higher asset to be like, no, we need that that complimentary piece that really could become a, a valuable Swiss army knife compared to every other team. Um, you know, it's like what, you know, Herb, uh, Herb Jones just became for the Pelicans with just like, kind of like, okay, the offense isn't there, but he can do a lot of stuff. He knows how to make the right plays, make fantastic reads, but he's just a psychotic defender that we all love to watch. So, um, I mean, I still have Mitchell like 11th. Yeah, like on my, you know, on my, this is way too early. Why am I doing this board? But um, it's just, I was just like, I felt like some of you guys were in love with him. I was like, whoa, how in love? Like, did you, did you have him top 10, Metcalf? I have him at eight. Okay. So th- th- that's just where I'm at. I'm like, what's the next, what's the next area you need to see to be like, my team took him eighth. I feel fantastic about it. Or do you just automatically feel fantastic with how good of a defender he projects to be? So currently I feel really good about it. And I kind of like what you said, I I'm I'm a little bit of a sucker for these types of players. And, you know, if, if we see an improved jumper, even if it's just corner threes um, and just a willingness to shoot it, that I'd be like, all right, cool. Yeah. He's probably a lottery lock for me right now. And you know, he's going to Texas. He's this explosive athlete. I know he's going to get a lot of, Oh, well remember Greg Brown. And I I think there's such different players where his processing speed on both ends of the floor is way more advanced than where Greg Brown was at this point in their career. Um, so I, I just think he has a really high understanding of the game and guys like that I'm willing to bet on. And when he has that athleticism and explosiveness and strength already and like the defensive fundamentals and the understanding of when and where to make that extra pass, I, I think that's really important. Yeah. the I'm not trying to – I did not get Greg Brown vibes. And I'm meaning yeah. that in a positive no, way. No, I'm, I'm just saying that he's inevitably going to get those comps. Yeah, I, I'm just he 
he looked like he played the game under control, but he also knew like I, I, I can jump higher than him. I, I yeah. going to dunk over that guy easily. Um, I liked a lot of of his game. I'm just fascinated to see you know what he can do at Texas. Um, they're gonna have a fun squad. You know, him and Tyrese Hunter should probably ruin some people's lives this year on the, on the court. So they're gonna be fun to watch. Um, you know, it's weird because. I watched the games too, and I kept waiting. I was like, take a shot from outside. I need to. And I feel like I wasn't like discouraged from seeing it. I feel like I was like, that's better than I was expecting. Yeah. But um, the fact that you're not wanting to shoot it, it's like, are you going to have the, the Kendall Brown syndrome of just like, you're not confident no matter what. Um, But we'll see. I mean, that's what they're going to be working on to get ready for this season. And if he can even showcase that, you know, he can shoot 35% on good volume from outside. I mean, oh boy, I understand now potentially like oh, top God, eight. Yeah. Um, cause the defense, like it was funny cause I was watching the, the film and I saw him on, on defense a couple of times and I was just like, all right, check. Like, like that all looked very, very good. It all looks like that's going to be pretty much his bread and butter. And you saw some shot blocking. I was like, okay, all right, I get it. Um, but I just am curious to, and I, I like that, that he battles offensively for rebounds and like he can, his second and third jump is really damn impressive. And he's just kind of, uh, he's a pinball down there. He's just like battling and going forward and just springy everywhere. So, I like a lot of his game. I didn't want to seem like I'm talking down about him. It's just you're trying to get a range for these guys, and I'm trying to figure out what is Dylan Mitchell's next skill that if he really flashes it this year, I mean, everyone's going to say the shot, but, like, what else? What else are we thinking? Just competent ball handling. Yeah. Where, um, you know, he, he can cross it over to his right hand and dribble 20 feet with his right. Um, and, you know, that that – where that comes into play is mainly transition and doing stuff like that or DHO keepers. Um, There's very little ball handling. It was usually two dribbles with the left and then give it up. Um, So that, that would be the big one for me. And obviously I don't need him breaking guys down in isolation or running pick and roll or any of that shit. Cause that's not who he is. I'd be stunned if he ever became that but just being able to grab and go in transition to keep it off a dribble handoff, um, you know, to do something out of the short roll with it. That would be, I think a really big step up in his overall offensive versatility because I, well, you know, when I just look at the list of guys that I have him ahead of right now, it's like a lot of the, the guys who are behind him, you know, I have much higher ceilings, I think, but I can really easily see how Dylan Mitchell fits into an NBA rotation, even if the shot doesn't come along, where if some of those guys' glaring weaknesses don't improve, it's like, okay, what are you? Like, how do how do you get minutes, and how are you positively productive for an NBA team? Yeah, I, I mean – um, Rondé Hollis Jefferson was a guy at, at, at college in Arizona. Like he was a versatile guy. I played defense at a high level shot from outside. Wasn't quite there, but he did some damage and some special stuff. And, um, 
went on and he's kind of scrapped and had himself a, a pretty solid career with like how many times he's gotten a shot to kind of latch on to some teams. And I don't even think he's in the same conversation athletically as Mitchell. Like Mitchell yeah. just looks like a guy that potentially, you know, maybe this is an all defensive type of player. Um, we'll see. I, I, but this is, we're getting to the, prospects now that are like man things could really get interesting if all of a sudden this shows up or this develops and Mitchell's at the top of the list I feel like for me personally because I'm like if that if the offhand shows a little bit if he shows that he can hit the outside shot if there's just another area that rises to the surface with his versatility I'm gonna be like okay there is something really special there I'm just one of those, like, this is a wait and see guy for me. And um, I talked about this on the episode with you about Mari Bailey. Like, this is another guy you circle because if you're getting confused or frustrated, you might need to see Dylan Mitchell in person. And then you might walk in there and see him and be like, holy crap, he is humongous. Like, yeah, what? He's listed at, you know, 6'8. I'm just throwing out, but maybe yeah. he looks just huge and he's got a big wingspan and he's impactful in person all over the court. So, um, I mean, it's just funny doing all these episodes with you because I feel like we just keep bringing up guys. I'm like, damn, this class is fun. Like, it's going to be really intriguing to see, um, go back and see like, okay, why do we think they were uh, supposed to go top 10 in the beginning of the year? Because it's going to happen. I have no idea who is, though. Yeah, and I like, I I have Mitchell at eight. If we, you know, when we we revisit this throughout the year and in December, I'm like, oof, I'm not sure he's a first rounder. That one stun me because if right. he comes out and he just again never shoots if there's no improvement in the ball handling and he's just kind of still doing the same stuff i'll be like man like there's been no growth in your game over the last 10 months what's up with that um you know i again i'd be a little surprised if that happened um i think he's going to be the exact type of defender uh that chris beard lo- loves um and I think he's going to make that Texas team a really tough defensive team. Uh, but you still got to see the improvements. So we'll we'll see. Who knows? I'm hoping that he's at least willing to shoot. Um, but if he's not, it's going to raise even more questions. Yeah, he seems like the one guy that, you know, out of some of the other podcast episode prospects that we've covered. I feel like he's the one guy that could really swing. I wouldn't shock me. Like you just said, if he's going towards the later part of the first round, when we look back at everything, but it wouldn't shock me if he stays up there, if he shows some strides in some of the areas like you're talking about. Um, but you know, every, you can look pretty much at every mainstream big board. You could even look at probably our big board. There's always a guy that comes out of nowhere and, rises up in a hurry there's always a guy that in the preseason consensus um because i hate big boards in the beginning of the year but you know someone's got to do it but there's always a guy that just falls um yeah. we brought up peyton watson last year he's a preseason top 10 guy jane mcdaniels preseason top 10 guy um michael porter jr preseason top five guy who i mean who else am i forgetting last year we didn't even have johnny davis going top yeah. 10 he ends up going top 10 i mean i think our third big board or second big board he jumped up to 29th at no ceilings and all of a sudden it was just like like see ya he's gone um am i forgetting i feel like we could do 
Yeah, there, there, there are always a bunch of them. I mean, J- Jaden Ivey had the huge breakout that yes. we all hoped he would. Um, Matherin last year, we all thought he was going to be like a 14 or 13. I talked to some scout at the beginning of the year. I was like, what do you think? And he's like, he's solid. Lottery, probably end of the lottery. I was yeah. like, oh, really? <laughs> he looked like he turned out pretty good in the Tommy Lloyd system, and he looked good at Summer League. So there's always humongous movement. And, you know, even though we're looking at this and I'm like, damn, I don't know this top 10, top 11 looks pretty good. There's going to be someone that jumps up here. And um, I don't know if it's, it's interesting, Metcalf, if you had one wild card right now that just jumps up into the top 10, that's not there right now for you. Who is it? Oh, yeah. Let's, let's get oh, fun. Let's get crazy. No. Um, I already said my boy from Serbia, so I'm not going to go there again. So I mean, I I don't think Kaluma qualifies anymore. No. Right? Yeah, he's... I think I think he the the hype has gotten has reached appropriate levels with him now. Um Oh god. I know it's a pretty it's a pretty good question actually because I'm looking at my like what my top 80 top 90. Right, I'm I say I'm that. Gonna... No, they're not in order. I'm going to stay on brand with uh with two guys. Uh, Jet Howard and Taryn Armstrong is my my deep wild cards. Getting up to ten, deep or just you're saying cards. just climbing up a ton, just massive jumps like into like easy first rounders. Okay, okay, okay. I like that better. That's better. Um, yeah, I thought you were gonna say our boy Taryn Armstrong was climbing to the top ten. I was gonna be like. Hey, I mean, if he comes out shooting 45%. <laughs> I love him. I'm just saying. I was like about to be like, whoa, the wedding pressure is really hitting me. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, no, that's a good one. Um, I'm trying to. I mean, who do I think is going to climb a ton? Baba Miller is getting Ooh. a ton of fans on draft Twitter. Usman Indiai. I know I said that name wrong, but that's my crazy international wild card that dude could either be second round or he just could start all of a sudden becoming like everyone needs to start watching him immediately um, uh just a couple other names uh Jaden bradley from alabama yes arsenal um and city sissoko city's really really fun i've started to watch a lot more of his film and i'm actually very intrigued with him um, I, I, I've watched some Colby Jones stuff I'm telling people, I, I kind of got into a fight with everyone at no ceilings during our meeting. Cause we were talking about prospects and I brought up Colby Jones and like, no one had anything. And I was like, you sons of bitches, <laughs> no, but it was just, you know what it, it was Metcalf is I just watching him and he makes a lot of really smart basketball plays that I don't think are going to show up on a lot of box scores, like positioning himself for an offensive rebound and then throwing a great extra pass to the corner for a wide open three. Um, Just a lot of that stuff that I'm like, if the offensive numbers kind of kick up again this year and he's still doing that, like I, I could see him being kind of one of those just teams are drooling over the, I I haven't even looked at the analytics yet, so please, no, I don't need the nerd alert army. I'm part of you. I don't need you guys to come after me and be like, well, actually, 
I'm just telling you what I saw on tape. And what I saw on tape, he's making a lot of plays that I think NBA scouts and front offices would be very, very excited about. Not just – they don't always want the guys that score 20 a game. They want the guys that, you know, help someone else get five wide-open shots off of hustle plays. So I need to watch a lot more. If I watch way more games, I might be like, what the heck was I talking about on that podcast episode? But that's all I got for you, Metcalf, unless you got any last thoughts. Um, uh Last one. Either of these guys making the green room. Um, Brody, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you start this one. I feel like I always start. Go ahead. Um. So I for Nick Smith, I would lean yes for now. Um. But he's at the bar, kind of waiting for a drink. But he's in. And Dylan Mitchell, I love him, uh, but I don't think he's going to play that type of role that's necessarily prestigious enough. So I'm going to say no on Dylan Mitchell. I think Nick Smith, so you're saying Nick Smith just got in and he did what every smart person that goes to a a club should do. He immediately goes to get a drink first before he, yeah, I I agree with that. Um, Dylan Mitchell is, he got brought there, but he's uh, he's more interested in being a bouncer. So he he went up to someone. He's like, look, I don't even want to get in. I want an application to apply to be a bouncer here because he's like, defense is my thing. I would like to, you know, keep people from getting in. So there you go. Um, I, I'm good with that. I think, you know, Dylan's, you know, he's got he's got a while. But he could get in there this year. Um, when we revisit this, yeah. he could very much be all of a sudden making a case to get in there, but I don't think he's in there yet, which sucks because I always like to go to bat for the def- defensive guys, but we can't, we can't let everyone in, you know, it's, it's there's a capacity, exactly. max capacity for this place. All right, Rucker, tell the people where they can find you. Um, no ceilings in Bay.com. It's free. Subscribe. The floodgates are about to open soon, so you guys better get back on the damn train and get prepared for a heck of a draft class year. Um, again, Mr. Metcalf, congratulations. Um, you know, don't watch old school in the beginning when, you know, they're standing up at the altar and um, Vince Vaughn goes, don't do it. Just just go with your gut, and I, I feel like it's going to be a great day. Um right. Enjoy the time, enjoy the honeymoon, and then get get back to work. <laughs> <laughs> well, once again, I'm Tyler Metcalf. You can follow me on Twitter at tmetcalf11. You can find all of our merchandise at noceilingsnba.bigcartel.com. All of our written work at noceilingsnba.com. It's 100% free. Just click that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at noceilingsnba and on YouTube at noceilingstv. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and a five-star rating. Until next time. See ya.